On the 23rd of June, the British electorate voted to leave the European Union. While the referendum was purely advisory and so had no formal legal effect, the constitutional, political and economic impacts of the result have already been profound. In the months following the referendum to leave the European Union, it has become clear that the UK is heading towards a hard Brexit, meaning that the UK can no longer be a member of the European single market. Against this backdrop, my intention in this short podcast is to discuss the potential impact of a hard Brexit on energy market liberalisation and the UK's future relationship with the internal energy market. I will, however, not consider security of energy supply implications as such and the effect on Northern Ireland, which is a separate market from the rest of the UK market for electricity. There are two key implications that I would like to explore one substantive and one institutional. On the substantive level, I will discuss the impact of Brexit on the UK's influence on the shaping of network codes and its role in certain market integration initiatives in the electricity sector. On the institutional level, I will discuss the impact of Brexit on the UK's representation in institutions that are broadly tasked with the governance of the internal energy market. In my closing remarks, I will consider the more nuanced and long-term effects of Brexit for both the EU and the UK in light of the latter's profound influence on EU energy law and policy over the years. But let me focus on the substantive implications first. If the UK does indeed go down the route of a hard Brexit, meaning that it chooses to negotiate a bilateral arrangement with the EU, like Switzerland, for example, Instead of retaining membership of the internal energy market via joining the European Economic Area, like Norway, it could be, to some extent, excluded from market integration initiatives in the electricity sector, such as market coupling. Market coupling is one of the most important features of the single European energy market in electricity. It allows selling electricity together with interconnection capacity instead of separately, in order to integrate electricity markets. Unlike bilateral trade, which was the predominant method before market coupling came in, it reduces price differences in electricity across borders, increases competition and leads to lower prices. Hence, decreased market coupling post-Brexit can lead to higher prices. Other market integration initiatives that have been beneficial to the UK are cross-border balancing, which allows transmission system operators to balance supply and demand by securing access to a sufficient amount of energy, as well as cross-border participation in capacity mechanisms. Another area that will be affected will be the development of network codes, which are the common technical and commercial rules governing access to energy networks introduced under the third energy package. Network codes are indeed the basis for the internal energy market. Their adoption is intended to provide the necessary technical rules so as to ensure non-discrimination, effective competition and the efficient functioning of the market. Such codes cover issues as diverse as network connection rules, third-party access rules, balancing rules, capacity allocation and congestion management and interoperability issues. A hard Brexit may mean that the UK's influence over network codes could decrease, 
For example, the European Union wants to move to a 15-minute settlement for electricity, whereas the UK regulator Ofgem argues that it is in the consumer's interest to be settled against their half-hourly consumption data. Post-Brexit, the UK may not be in a position to influence such harmonisation, which may create additional costs for the UK energy consumer. And this brings me to the institutional implications of Brexit and the risk of what I call regulation without representation. Cross-border energy market design and the broader coordination of EU energy regulation is implemented by three regulators. The Agency for the Cooperation of Energy Regulators, known as ACER, the European Network for Transmission System Operators for Electricity, known as ENTSO-E, and the European Network for Transmission System Operators for Gas, known as ENTSO-G. ENTSO-E and ENTSO-G represent the interest of system operators, such as National Grid, and work with regulators towards forming a single market for electricity and gas. They're the bodies tasked with formulating network codes based on the framework guidelines provided by ACER and subject to the approval of the European Commission. It is natural to expect a lot of influence in these matters if the UK does not remain a member of the latter bodies. While, however, the UK does not have to remain part of the EU or even part of the EEA to be a member of ENTSO-E and ENTSO-G, which consists of transmission system operators from non-EU member states such as Switzerland and Norway, the same cannot be said for ACER, which consists of regulators from EU member states only. Similarly, post-Brexit, the UK may also exit the Council of the European Energy Regulators, known as CER, a non-for-profit organisation through which national regulators cooperate and exchange best practices. Unless some sort of agreement is reached between the UK government and the EU, Ofgem may have to leave from ACER and SER and lose its ability to influence the formulation and interpretation of the EU energy rules. In sum, without appropriate representation in the aforementioned four institutions, the UK runs the risk of it becoming a mere rule-taker instead of a rule-maker. Finally, some more nuanced long-term effects of Brexit for both the EU and the UK loom at large. It is well known that the UK has historically been at the forefront of efforts aimed at market liberalisation across border energy markets that have subsequently been introduced at EU level. However, the UK is now unlikely to influence, let alone adopt, further legislation in the area, such as the Commission's package of measures for consumer-centred clean energy transition announced last November. This has implications for both the UK and the EU, who will lose a pro-liberalisation voice and a promoter of market-based policies at the negotiation table. Most crucially, post-Brexit, the UK might find itself in an odd situation, where it has led the whole argument of liberalisation and market-based reforms in the energy sector, but by leaving the EU, it will become freer to pursue a more industrial policy-friendly agenda, a suggestion not least supported by the creation of a department for business, energy and industrial strategy. This will be the one of the most greatest paradoxes for energy policy brought out of a hard Brexit. Thank you for your attention.